and welcome to episode 97 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. My name is Greg Lindberg. Here on this episode, we are chatting with a young man from the Cleveland, Ohio area who is actually still in high school, just starting his senior year now of high school. And he has already gone on to working as a sports color commentator for multiple sports uh, in spite of his blindness. And I think you'll really enjoy his energy and enthusiasm for what he does. So let's go ahead now and hit the broadcast booth and get jumping into episode 97. All right, so my guest here on this episode of Eyes Free Sports is Alan Wiley. And uh, Alan is a blind uh, sportscaster, sports commentator. Alan, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I love being here. Awesome. Really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, yeah. In general, I'm a huge sports fan and kind of a sports media nerd, sports broadcaster nerd. Um, me too. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Always super cool to connect with fellow, you know, sports broadcasters and sports enthusiasts. Absolutely. Cool. Alrighty. So why don't we just kick things off here with kind of your, your early years. Uh, talk to me initially here about where you were born and, and your early years. Yeah, so I was born at Fairview Hospitals, which is in Cleveland. I live in Westlake, Ohio, and I was born initially. They didn't. My parents didn't know I was blind, hmm. um, and I think that they only knew a few months in when we were at a doctor's appointment. I don't know the exact story, but I think she said something like, "You have to get them checked out" or something. And so we got to the eye doctor, and then Dad's question is like, "Can he see?" And the doctor says, "No, he can't." Um, but he's like, you know, he's going to be fine. He's going to be very smart. He can do most of what other kids can do. It's just, you know, he might have a little difficulty. He may be a little bit different. And so that's how we knew I was blind. Gotcha. Interesting. And so what exactly is your eye condition? Lieber's congenital amaurosis, I think is how you say it, or LCA. And I was actually born blind. So this wasn't something that happened over time. Gotcha. Yeah, I actually have that same condition, but uh, yeah, very different journey. I, you know, had some yeah. vision as a child, and over time, it has it has changed. Yeah. And then, uh, any siblings or? Yes, I have an older brother. His name is Jacob. He is in junior year at Bowling Green. He's studying to be a history teacher, um, and unlike me, he is not interested in sports at all. Now, what he will do is, let's say, um, you know, my favorite team's playing. Uh, I don't know, the uh, Cubs or something. And when I was little, he'd be like, yeah, go Cubs. It's not like he, he didn't care what happened. He just wanted to see me mad. So, um, but no, I mean, other than that, he's not really interested in the sports, but he and I, I mean, we're both interested in history, so. Sure, sure, gotcha. Uh, so then as far as education, have you pretty much been mainstreamed in your, your schooling years? Yep, I'm at Westlake High School. I'm in my senior year right now. And uh, actually, one of the perks of that is I get to get in late arrival and I get to leave early. So, ooh, ooh. That's <laughs> there you go. So, um, but yeah, so I'm in my senior year. I did spend one semester at the Ohio State School for the Blind, but we figured out that that wasn't really for me. So we went back to Westlake. But um, yeah, I've been mainstream pretty much all my life. Sure, sure. Nice. And just in general, as far as accommodations, support from your teachers, you know, perhaps even classmates, would you say everyone's been pretty supportive in your education? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everyone's been really willing to help. They want to know what I think, how they can help me, how I can maybe help them a little bit, um, understand what's going on. But yeah, no, everyone's been all throughout school. It's been really good. Right. Great to hear. 
And then, uh, so I know you mentioned you are a senior right now in high school, and as far as college, yep. uh, you are kind of looking looking around? Yes. So I visited Rowan University, which is a small uh, school in Glassboro, New Jersey. Uh, I believe it's outside Philadelphia. And then I visited University of Georgia in Athens in last November. And in a couple of weeks, I'm visiting Syracuse. And then in October, I am visiting Central Michigan and or Western Michigan. Uh, and then we don't know the time of the, exactly when it's going to happen, but I'm going to visit Ball State too. Oh, wow. Yep. Yep. So quite a yeah. variety you're looking at, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so then in terms of sports broadcasting, sports casting, I'm curious kind of what age, you know, thinking back, do you remember really kind of being interested in, you know, sports in general, let's say, and then also kind of the sports casting uh, realm? Yeah. So really, I started getting interested in sports when I was very young. Uh, I believe it was back, uh, my first memories of when I was like two or three listening to Cleveland Indians, now, of course, Guardians baseball games. Um, and mom, I think, has a picture of me. We had a radio in our kitchen. We don't have it anymore, but we had a radio when I was like two. And she's got a picture of me with my hand on the radio listening to the game. Hmm. Um, and, I'd always, and I'd always listen to uh, Indians and Cavs games as well when I'd go to sleep. The only problem would be I'd stay up for post-game. My parents didn't know until much later, of course. But sure. I'd stay up for post-game. <laughs> um, and so I started getting interested in sports when I was really young. The broadcasting came a little bit later. I had to say I was probably like 10 or 11. Uh, I was listening to Michigan football and uh, their broadcasters at the time, Dan Deardorff and uh, Jim Brandstatter, who have now retired. Um, and I was listening to one of their games and it popped in my head. It's like, you know, I could do this. You know, like I, I can be just like them. I obviously probably couldn't do play by play, but I could do color commentating. So I told my dad about it. And then when I got into high school, of course, the freshman year was kind of odd because of COVID. But sophomore year, I got to do Westlake football, uh, which is my local high school football games, color commentary. And I've been doing those ever since. I've also helped out with a couple of their basketball games. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. And I'm curious, how did that kind of come to fruition? How did you make that connection you know, with the athletic department and, and coaches and really get that opportunity? Yeah. So basically, so my teacher, I took a class called TV production in my second semester of freshman year. My teacher, um, we notified him that I'd be interested in doing the football games. And so he's like, okay, yeah, we'll give you a shot. And then he paired me up with a kid named Johnny. And then he had, he had us do a football game on the screen where the sound was off. Um, it's just Johnny and I calling the game, doing the football game. Like if we were doing it in real life, but of course it wasn't real life. It was a few months before, um, after the game actually took place. So we did the play by play and color commentary. And then Mr. S who's my teacher came in and said, you know, this really sounds good. I want to do this again. And so we agreed, yeah, let's do this again. So we kept doing more like demo, uh, play by play games. And then it got to the point where he and I got a really good chemistry. And then once I got into sophomore year and we were able to do the football games from the stadium, it was really just. It was my element, really. Right. So you kind of knew right away, this is, this is where I belong. This, this is, is what I like to yeah, do. Yeah, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome to kind of find that niche, find that groove. Yeah. And so I know you mentioned chemistry, you know, chemistry with your fellow broadcaster, your, your broad, broadcast partner or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. How, do you, how does that kind of develop? Give us some insight into kind of that, that relationship and how, you know, maybe that takes some time to, to build that rapport with your, your fellow broadcaster? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it does take a, a little bit of time. What I try to do is I try to talk to them before the game, like get to know them a little bit. So, um, and I try to be friends with them, you know, off the mic too, because uh, if we can be friends, then that'll translate to better chemistry on the mic. And so I'll talk to them before the game. If it's their first game, I'll say, hey, you know, it's just like telling a story. Just act like you're talking to me. So I try to make them kind of feel as comfortable as they possibly can. And then if I have their phone numbers, we'll maybe text back and forth to see like information on what we have on each team. And um, maybe I'll give them some pointers along the way, like a halftime or in breaks in the action. So that's really what we try to do. And then over time, it kind of just builds up to where we can kind of bounce ideas off of each other. And uh, we can kind of pick up on what each other is going to say, and we can figure out how to respond. Sure, sure. Makes sense. And so you did mention uh, football and basketball that you've done for your high school? Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Would you say you prefer broadcasting one, one of those over the other? Or? I would say if you had to, if I had to make a decision, I'd say football. Football's been my um, go-to sport since I was like nine or ten. A uh, big uh, Michigan Wolverines fan, big Detroit Lions fan. Sometimes I wish I wasn't, but you know how that goes. Um, yep. uh, just everything, and I love just the foot, the energy, the how they do the play-by-play, the crowd. Um, Football is really something that I love. And uh, dad would always take me to high school games when I, when he was um, off on Fridays, because he would do the Westlake games when I was like nine or 10. Uh, he'd do the PA announcing. So he would take okay. me to high school games, like like local high school games, um, about five, 10 minutes away from us. And he would do play-by-play. He'd, I'd ask him what kind of formations they, they're running, what the you know what their schemes look like. And then I remember it for the next time we would go to a game, if it's the same team. Right, right. Interesting, yeah. though. You mentioned yeah. your dad. So did you kind of inherit his pipes? You kind of got that, that good voice, you know, pipes for, yeah, for broadcasting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so he um, he was doing PA announcing for Westlake from 2015 to 2021. In fact, my first year in the booth, he was, was his uh, last year. He had to go on and do some other stuff. But... Um, yeah, I mean, he's the one that really paved the way. And I think he, I, I told him when, it, when the option was open, I think my mom mentioned to him, or just us in passing, hey, the Westlake PA announcing job is open. Dad's like, you know, I don't know if I can get it. I'm like, yeah, you should do it, Dad. Hmm. And then he tried out for it. And, uh, well, you know, the rest they say is history. He got the job and uh, they loved him. Sure, sure. That's awesome. And I am curious as far as basketball, obviously much more fast paced, you know, than football. Would you say that's kind of a challenge when it comes to broadcasting? It, it can be. It definitely can be. You have to figure out how to condense what you're going to say in about 10 to 15 seconds. Because it's not like in football where, you know, you can have a small break in the action. Basketball, it's, it's he hits a three and then the other guys are on the, down on the other end trying to make a basket of their own. So you have to kind of condense what you want to say. Make sure you get the most important stuff out of there. And then if you have to say something else, wait for either another basket or a stoppage in play. And then you can kind of get that other stuff out. Right, right. Great point. Uh, so then I know very recently uh, you actually connected with a minor league baseball team and got a really cool opportunity with them. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so the Lake County Captains, the single A affiliate of the Guardians, uh, I don't think that they know I'm a Tigers fan, by the way, so we're going to keep that secret from them. Um, <laughs> but... We originally got to the captains via the Cleveland Sight Center, who helps people like me get jobs. Um, and originally it was going to be maybe they'll have me on air to interview me, but I was going to answer some cell phones or or whatever. 
And then Dad sent their broadcasting director, Cole Liggett, who has been a really big uh, part of what I'm doing right now, my work. And Cole said, we got to get this guy in the booth. And then so that's what we did. We got in the booth. And then um, the guy that works with me, great guy, Logan, uh, kind of helps me out. Like, and he tells where the college is, uh, like if the play- different players went to colleges, um, he would tell me where they go. And then I'd give some facts about that college. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it really started out with the captains just a couple months ago. And I actually get to do another game on Wednesday where our local news station, Channel 5, will be out there and the athletic. Zach Meisel will be out there and he's going to write a story about it. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And how does it feel to, you know, this is, this is professional baseball, obviously. How does it feel yeah. to actually get this chance such, you know, at such an early stage in your life here? It's just beyond words. It's wonderful. Um, you know, I, I never thought at the age of 17, I'd be calling a professional baseball game. You know, baseball is really how I got into sports. I would listen to Tom Hamilton and the Cleveland Guardians, Indians broadcaster, and to think that I could do an aff- affiliate of the Guardians games on um, minor league baseball, on their streaming platform, with a guy that does professional baseball um, after he graduated college, it's just, it's almost surreal in the moment. And when I do it, I, I just love every second of it. Sure, sure. I can definitely sense the passion in your voice. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so as far as preparing for a game, I know you touched on this a little bit earlier, but talk to me a little more about how you really, you know, get ready for a game, just research, interviews, your, your approach. Yeah. So for football, I have a couple of friends of mine that are on the football team. Um, and then I'll ask them kind of, what do you notice from the other team that'll get you some, like, what concerns you? What do you have to do to combat this? Uh, what are your adjustments that you made? Who are their key players to watch? And things like that. And then for baseball, it's I have to go over to the MILB.com and then I'll look at each of the other team's players and see their ERA, their batting average, how many home runs they've hit, uh, how good their pitching is, what like how many wins do they have on the mound. So it really depends on the sport, but I usually find my information through the internet. Sure. Sure. I see. So do, do you get a chance to connect with any uh, captain's players or coaches or not too much directly? Not too much directly, because when I'm usually there, I'm, I'm usually in the broadcasting um, booth, and then they're always on the field, and we don't really interview them either, so it's kind of hard to get connections, but um, no, I, I haven't been able to talk to them yet, but I'm hoping I can. Right, right, makes sense. And then I think I'd read that you do have a Braille device that you use as far as like note-taking or whatnot. Talk to me about that. Yeah, it, the Braille note, it's, uh, the best way I can describe it is it's a, it's a computer but instead of print on the display, there's Braille. And that way I can kind of move my hands across the screen and read the different dots, which symbolize the letters and the words. And I can kind of get what it's saying, what the site is saying. Obviously, I have to make sure it's accessible with the Braille note, but usually more often than not, it is. So basically, it's just a computer, but instead of the print you see on the screens, it's Braille on the display so that I could read it. And I've been taking Braille since I was about three. So. Wow, definitely something I have not learned and, and want to, so. Yeah, yeah. And do you use that during the broadcast as well? Do you have notes that you kind of put, you know, that you read in Braille? or? Not usually. I use it a lot before the broadcast to write down some stuff, and then I'll read over what I wrote before I leave. That's, that's mainly what I do. Right, I see. 
And then, uh, so in terms of feedback that you've gotten from, from listeners, from viewers, whatnot, uh, anything you want to mention there? I mean, everyone's just been really great about it. Even like the constructive criticism I've gotten from some of the people that I show my broadcast to, it's been great. And I couldn't do it without them. You know, my family, my friends have been supportive. My school has been supportive. The captains have really been supportive. Everyone's just done really great things. And, you know, I, I can't really thank them enough. Right, right. Nice. I'm um, just rewinding a little bit. I know you mentioned as far as your high school football games that you do broadcast and uh, kind of being friends, you know, with some of the players, obviously classmates, students playing on the teams that you might have in classes. And do you find that challenging as a broadcaster to be objective, you know, even though you might know some of these folks on the field? Not really, to be honest with you. Not really. I mean, I feel like as a broadcaster, it's my duty to kind of put my feelings about something aside and then let the people know the facts. You know, if one of my friends dropped the football in the end zone, I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat. I'm going to say, hey, he's got to work on his hands during practice. You know what I mean? He's got to work on keeping a better hold of the football. So I really don't find it that hard. And partly because since they're friends of mine, I think they know that I have to be that, that objective. So it's not that hard, in my opinion. Right, right. Got you. Uh, so then looking ahead, uh, as far as career goals, just kind of career goals in general, and, and specifically when it comes to sports broadcasting, any specific goals? Yeah, so I want to be on a talk radio show. Um, somebody that I know does kind of both talk radio and commentary, his name is Doug Karsh. He's a Detroit sports radio host, and he does... He has his own show and he does Michigan football. He does the play-by-play. -play. And then a guy, another guy, John Jansen, he has, he's, he co-hosts a show and he color commentates on Michigan football. So that's really my ultimate goal is to be, to do a talk radio show, preferably in either a local or national, I don't mind really where, and then also still be able to do some color commentary. Gotcha. And so football, would you say, is that kind of your, your preference then? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Cool. So then, uh, like I mentioned to you at one point, uh, obviously I've had a lot of blind athletes, visually impaired athletes, you know, that actually compete in sports on this podcast. And I'm yeah. curious, have you had the chance to play, say, goalball, beatball, any sports for the blind? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've played goalball. I played goalball uh, from when I was eight to about 13 or 14. Uh, that was something I really loved doing. And then beat baseball was a lot of fun. I would play that off and on for about... I'd say like nine to 12 to 13 years old. So yeah, I've gotten to try those kinds of sports and it's pretty, those types of sports. And it's pretty, um, I, I like them. It's really creative. Well, nice. Yeah. And definitely shout out to the, uh, the Cleveland scrappers. I know they're a beatball team yeah. that's been around in Cleveland yep. for a long time. Um, that's kind of my yep. main sport beatball. So shout out to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And would you ever consider broadcasting, say a, a goalball match or a beatball game or kind of a blind sport as well? Maybe. Um, if the opportunity arises, yeah, absolutely. Cool, cool. Would be a nice uh, kind of spin on things, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Alrighty, well again, we've been chatting with Alan Wiley here on the Eyes Free Sports podcast. And uh, Alan, really appreciate the time. It's been a true pleasure getting to chat with you here and getting to know you a little better. And uh, definitely wish you the best of luck. And thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Before we put a bow on this episode of the podcast, I did want to highlight a few segments from Alan Wiley in the broadcast booth. 
And so this is a compilation of a few segments of Alan actually practicing his craft of providing color commentary for some high school football games in Ohio. And I should mention that these segments are courtesy of a radio show uh, that aired them on WEOL AM in Ohio. Like a racehorse, this dude will not be denied, and this Warrensville defense is just showing a complete lack of, of tackling there. You know, could not wrap up against Borchelli. They got good penetration to start off with, but the offensive line did a good job of recovering, holding him up just enough for Borchelli to get through a big hole and get another first and goal. Yeah, I'd definitely go back to Cole. He's a very fast player. He's got some good hands. And, you know, he could have had that reception last drive that Westlake had if there wasn't such good man-to-man coverage by Warrensville. But I, I definitely do a fade route in the back of the end zone to Caden Cole, see if he can haul it in, because he's probably your best option right now. But Warrensville Heights defensively, again, not wrapping up when you need to. You look at those two plays, the play with Percelli where he was just breaking through that defense. They had him right where they wanted him, just could not tackle. The gain against Rummel. They had some good coverage to begin with, but blew it. And when they did have a chance to tackle Rommel, they couldn't do it until he was down at the 15-yard line. So you've got to do a better job of wrapping up immediately as soon as that guy gets the ball because that could just come back and bite you like it has for Warrensville so many times. They're lucky to be up by four right now. Well, if I'm Warrensville Heights' coaching staff, I'm definitely telling the defense, above all else, wrap up. Make sure tackles where you know the player cannot get away. To hear more episodes of the Eyes Free Sports podcast and to subscribe, search for Eyes Free Sports on your favorite podcast platform or visit eyesfreesports.com. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.